welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with you as always. And in today's show, we'll be previewing the AFC West for fantasy in 2021. And like I previewed last week, we've got a great guest on today's show. Our guest today is the social media manager at Dynasty Nerds, a writer at Fantasy Pros, and he's got a cool new show that he's starting soon that we'll talk about in just a moment. You can follow him on Twitter at Luke Sawhook. And yes, we've got Luke Sawhook on the show today. Luke, I'm super excited to have you. I've been wanting to get you on the show for a little while. I've followed you on Twitter for a while, and it's good to have you here. So I'm excited to record today. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. That was a nice little jazzy intro you got there. <laughs> I hadn't heard it. That was, that was, I liked that. That was fun. But yeah, uh, a quick plug. So 15 Minute Fantasy with Hutch. Um, that's going to be a fun show starting in season on Saturdays. So I think it's a Saturday night thing. Uh, but basically, we're going to take questions like a mailbag format live and before, uh, hopefully live. Um, and then it's basically once the, the content starts, we put like a 15 minute timer on. And then whenever the timer stops, the show's over. So it'll be a quick little burst of information that should be pretty fun. So awesome. Yeah. So uh, where, can, where can we find you? I, I might have missed where you said you can find it. So where can we find the show? It'll be on Twitter or YouTube or whatever you're consuming. It's just it's Luke Sawhook on pretty much every platform I exist on the universe. And so just, you know, go to your platform, type in my name. I should have some kind of social media on it. It awesome. might be there. We'll see. Yeah. It sounds fun. So you guys should go check it out for sure. Um, and yeah, I guess we're going to, we can get right into it if you're ready. Yeah, let's do it, man. I got some news pulled up for you. All right. So a few pieces of news to talk about before we get started. Uh, number one, this is pretty interesting. Dan Campbell is concerned about DeAndre Swift's ability or availability for week one. I mean, the comments that he's made over the past few days about the groin injury are definitely concerning. Swift hasn't practiced as of late. This has to, I think, drop him a little bit in drafts at least in my mind because now he's struggled with injuries a little bit last year now this is happening again this could pop up um, cause him to miss a bit of time and maybe not be fully healthy for a little while so what are your thoughts on this situation how are you valuing swift right now heading into a draft yeah um well i like swift but not as much as i mean i'm pretty like consensus or below consensus on swift i don't like i don't love him but i do like him still i mean i think he has a really wide range of outcomes which is scary but also very intriguing like I think he could finish top 10 I think he could finish in the 25-ish range um it really is all just going to depend on the relationship with him and Jamal Williams the injury does make me blink a little but I'm not too scared um we'll see I think I have as my RB18 right now uh I'm drafting as my RB2 or RB3 comfortably but nowhere near close to my RB1 comfortably yeah, I would agree, especially with this injury. I mean, I do have him a little bit higher than you at running back 14. Um, I think the upside is definitely there, especially in the passing game. And because I, for me, the way I see it is because Jamal Williams is such a like is a similar back to Swift, at least in the that they're both uh, pass catching, not necessarily sure. specialists. More, one of them is more of a specialist than the other, obviously. But uh, I don't know if there's necessarily a reason to give Jamal Williams a ton of playing time over Swift. This injury does concern me for sure, though, but I still would see a healthy Swift in the same tier as a guy like Najee Harris or Austin Eckler or Joe Mixon, guys that I have a spot or two or three ahead of him. How um, dare you put DeAndre Swift in the same tier as Najee Harris, you <laughs> animal. Yeah, I mean, I, I have Swift higher. I think um, it, it's not necessarily like I, I would I would obviously. Hey, where do you have Najee? Najee's at 12 for me. I mean, okay, that's, I, that's, I'm that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. I have him. Dude, I'm. I'm. I have him eight. I like Najee a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, you're a Steelers fan, aren't you? Yeah, but that's not why. Like, I swear to God, that's not why. Yeah. Um. Even if I, even if I was like a Browns fan, he'd still be this high for me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm a big Joe Burrow truther. So, I mean, my allegiances are nowhere except for fantasy football scoring. Um, mm-hmm. I just think he's going to get a monster workload. So, yeah, for sure. I, I respect it. I mean, I just, for me, like Antonio Gibson is number 10 for me and Joe Mixon is 11. Those are like, I'm just going to take the a guy who has established themselves at least in the NFL for a little while. And then Gibson, especially I'm super excited for next year. I would uh, be definitely fine with ranking Najee higher than 12, but I, um, I for sure, but he's definitely in the same tier as those guys. I just would take the proven production from especially Joe Mixon and then the potential for Antonio Gibson. For sure. Yeah, I understand 100%. Mm-hmm. All right, next piece of news. Sean Payton has officially named Jameis Winston the week oh. one starting quarterback for the Saints. This was oh. – I, I don't think this was expected. I think I would say the majority of people – It was it for be. me. Nice. It was for me. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I, I made a bet a few months ago saying that if Taysom Hill was named the starter, I would eat blazing wings from B-dubs on a live stream because I just I, – I, I, well, one, I thought it wasn't going to happen. It was like 50-50, but I was like, yeah, I think Jameis should be the starter. At the same time, I was like, well, he should, you know, like he should be the starter because I feel like he's just, you know, more of a quarterback than the guy who played tight end the last few years. Um, so I'm very happy that he won the job. It's great news for fantasy and for real life for the Saints, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's looked a lot better than he did. At least I know it's training camp. It's preseason. We can't take too much away from it. But he has looked better, in my opinion, this preseason than he has in years past. And so it makes sense that he earned the job. He's more cautious. He's taking care of the ball better. It looks like he's playing more safe, which is great. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for him. I think it's hard to decide exactly where I want to rank him. Because if I know Jameis Winston's playing a full season, he really does go a lot, like, around that borderline top 12 range because he pushes the ball downfield so much. But then again, it's easy to sink him a few spots lower at the same time because he doesn't have as many weapons as he had in, um, in uh, Tampa Bay. Michael Thomas is hurt, all of that. So sure. where would you rank Jameis Winston right now? I am at 16. Okay. I have him just one spot above Trevor Lawrence and one spot below Kirk Cousins. All right. Yeah, I have him at 19. So it's kind of a little bit lower, but I think he definitely has the potential to be – higher I mean we've seen it already he was the QB3 two years ago we've seen it before yeah yeah he can definitely do it I, I I'm not too concerned about the weapons I feel like he's kind of the guy who uh is, is aggressive to the point where for fantasy sex, success uh necessarily he doesn't need the best weapons yeah he kind of pushes the narrative himself I think him and Callaway are going to have a great connection uh for redraft I think they're going to do some nice things on the field he's going to have some big weeks him and Callaway um I could easily see some games where Jameis throws for like 203 touchdowns like pretty often I think uh, he could definitely do that be that guy this season interceptions I'm I mean he's gonna throw some it's it's still Jameis Winston even if he's more cautious I mean I expect upwards of 10 for him for sure um it's gonna be interesting to monitor 100 I like him though I like him yeah and I mean it will drastically depend of course like if you have a two point per interception league like many do it would be it, we saw Winston already overcome that and been, again, be the QB three in that format. But a lot of leagues have been shifting towards I've seen recently, especially like, for example, the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Uh, yeah, four point, I believe, for interception and then six for pick six. It's a lot more. It's like that's a league where Jameis Winston's going to be a lot more risky. Um, it's huge. Yeah, it's huge for sure. I like it. That's why I have Mahomes and Tom Brady in that league. I, I prioritized quarterback immediately. Yeah, that, I mean, that definitely a good strategy because, again, like that also – will take off for completion percentage in the league. So getting a guy like Brady, that's a great strategy for sure. 100%. Um, 
All right. Uh, another more quarterback news. Teddy Bridgewater has been named the week one starter for the Broncos. I think I would say I expected Bridgewater to play, if not right away, pretty soon. And I think this is good news for fantasy for the receivers here because Bridgewater was able to support receivers in Carolina in 2020. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, though? Do you like the move for uh, Denver and do you like the move for fantasy? I think it's good for both, honestly. I mean, I just think I'm not a big Drew Locke guy at all. I just don't think he's a good quarterback, honestly. He has great arm talent, but he makes very poor decisions. Teddy, while pretty much the exact opposite, makes good decisions, but poor arm talent. Um, you know, I, he'll move the chains for your team. I don't anticipate Teddy starting the entire season. I think Locke will pop in here or there, uh, likely, just because I think things might go back and forth a little. But I do think it's great news for the fantasy wide receivers, especially Jerry Judy. This bumped up Judy a few spots in my rankings. They've had a great rapport all training camp, as far as beat reporters have been saying. And I think that Judy's uh, primed to make a second-year leap, especially in PPR formats with Terry, uh, Teddy Two Gloves under center. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Judy's been a guy that's been rising up my rankings. For me, it's still Cortland Sutton as the one here. But Judy's not far behind, to be honest. And yeah, like you said, he had like – Something like 115 targets already last year. Now that he gets this quarterback upgrade, I mean, he's got a lot of potential to um, get better if he can work on, uh, I mean, I guess it wasn't drops that were major concerns so much as erratic throws. So, like, he will be primed to take a step forward. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that about uh, rankings. I have Judy one spot ahead of Sutton at 28 and Sutton at 29. So, they're pretty close. Yeah, that's fair. I love – I'm looking at my rankings again. Sorry to go down another rabbit hole like Mm -hmm. I said I would. Um, just looking at my wide receiver rankings, like I love all of the top like 34 of my rankings. Like I like all those guys. It's crazy how deep the wide receivers are compared to the running backs. It's gross after like 20. Yeah. I mean, same here. I'm looking at that, like the top, like even like 37, 38 for me, I would say are guys yeah, that I good. really like. Uh, what'd you say? I said they're good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, very viable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like a wide receiver is always deep at least compared to running back, but this year, especially there's just a lot of later round guys as well. Like, um, I mean, not so much of a later round guy anymore, but like Corey Davis is a guy who's been rising up rankings. I'm happy with him as my wide receiver three Marvin Jones, I think could lead the Jaguars in fantasy points for receivers. He's a guy who's at like number 37 for me. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of guys to be excited about. Absolutely. Totally agree on both those points. there. awesome. Good stuff. All right. Uh, last piece of news. This isn't, well, it, depending on how you see it, it could be impactful for fantasy. The Eagles have sent a conditional 2022 sixth rounder to the Jaguars in exchange for Gardner Minshew. Um, so now Trevor Lawrence is the starter in Jacksonville, of course. And the Eagles get Gardner Minshew to back up Jalen Hurts, although I think they said he was going to be the third string behind Joe Flacco, at least for now. Is that correct? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, just because he's learning the playbook is hmm. how I read that. I mean, there's no way that Gardner's behind Flacco after this. But – I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, Hertz is the starting quarterback. He's not going to get benched for Gardner Minshew unless they're tanking this season, apparently. Um, yeah, it's not a concern for me. Gardner's just a quality backup, and I think they're just investing in that position going forward because they saw how valuable it was to have a good quarterback backup on uh, the Nick Foles Super Bowl run. So I think they always want to have a good backup quarterback in Philly. So it doesn't concern me. And that price tag is cheap as dirt. So I don't see why they wouldn't make that move. Yeah, and I mean, the, anyone who would be concerned, I feel like that's a good point. Like, anyone who would be concerned about this for Jalen Hurts is, like, if Jalen Hurts is playing bad enough to be benched for Gardner Minshew, you won't want him on your fantasy team anyway. So I don't think this is a big deal for his value specifically. Um, but, I mean, maybe a slight reduction, but other than that, like, I'm not really, I'm not really too concerned. 
Yeah, we just actually just got some breaking news here from Sleeper. Um, so the Texans are prepared to go into the season with Deshaun Watson on the 53-man roster and have him inactive every week. And that would cost Houston $10.54 million. So basically, they're just going to have Watson sit there. So we'll see wow. what that happens. Jeez, yeah, there's – I don't know what to believe anymore. Two day, wasn't it two days – like literally yesterday, it was the Dolphins who were the front runners. Now he's going to sit on the roster the entire season and be inactive. I don't know what to think anymore. Well, I mean, I'd imagine that they just are sitting him there. He's going to get traded. There's no way that he's going to stay there forever. There's no, I mean, even yeah. if he gets cleared of all allegations today, he still doesn't want to play there. He wants to yeah. be traded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna, a, yeah, he's going to get dealt for sure, in yeah. my opinion. Really weird situation. But, yeah, I mean, I guess if he does get dealt, it does look like it would be to Miami because we've seen Panthers beat reporters like Joe Person come out and say that uh, it's not the Panthers and that the Panthers are no longer or not interested. So it seems like if it's going to be anyone, it would be the Dolphins. And yeah, I tend to agree with you. He has to be dealt eventually. Like there's no, there's no way there's he no stays way. around as a healthy scratch for 16, 17 games. For sure. I agree. 100%. All right. So let's get into the AFC West. This is, I guess, the last of uh, the eight divisional previews so far on the show before. We're, and uh, next week we'll have regular season episodes. So that should be a lot of fun. Uh, so for, we got four teams here, of course, three questions per each team, and we can obviously go down any rabbit holes or anything, anything else you want to talk about as well. So let's start with the Broncos. And this sort of, I guess we sort of discussed this. We maybe only needed to talk about it briefly since it was in the news, but how will the switch to Teddy Bridgewater affect this offense as a whole and like the specific fantasy producers? Yeah, I, I just think it makes the team more consistent for fantasy. I think it's less erratic. Because uh, I think that's kind of Drew Locke's MO is a bit of a erratic fantasy spurts of goodness. Uh, Bridgewater's more consistent. While the spurts not, might not be as exciting or as explosive, it's going to be a lot more consistent, especially in PPR for guys like Sutton and Judy. Uh, the offense is going to move the chains and might not have as many high-scoring weeks, but they're going to put points on the board consistently. And I think it's a good move for fantasy for the, for the Broncos' offense, except for K.J. Hamler. Mm-hmm. That's the only hit for K.J. Hamler. Besides that, I think it's good for everybody else. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I had already, again, I, like I said before, I think Bridgewater was expected to at least get in there at some point. Now that he's getting in here, I would say he plays most of the season. And yeah, this is good to get some consistency for the offense. 100%. Um, uh, let's talk about the RB room. How are we evaluating Javante Williams versus Melvin Gordon for redraft? Sure. I, I view it very similarly as to what we saw last season with some of the rookie running backs where you kind of see them worked in slowly I mean, Melvin Gordon is in front of Javante, uh, but I mean, eventually Javante is going to take over, right? We saw with like yeah. Jonathan Taylor last season behind those running backs in Indy. I think it's going to be kind of the same thing. I think Melvin Gordon is going to be very fantasy relevant for the first eight, maybe 10 weeks of the season. But on the back half, I mean, I think the, the, sh- the timeshare is going to shift more and more to Javante as the season goes along. Might not be this season for Javante fully, but next season, I, I think we can expect to see that kind of uh, change of the guard, but I like Melvin still as a, as a decent, like RB three value. Um, or if you're going zero RB, he's a decent value to start your season off. Well, but besides that, I mean, I think it's Javante um, all the way towards the end. I, I like him as a good home run pick and redraft, but I don't find myself drafting him very often. Yeah, I would. That's fair for sure. And I can see what you mean about Gordon. I mean, there's a point where the price gets so low that especially if you're running zero RB and saying, Oh, I'm going to get these guys off the waiver wire. Gordon can be a guy that's expendable later on in the season. Absolutely. 100% agree, for sure. And, I mean, it's interesting to see for Javante in particular, if you're projecting a backfield takeover, 
I, I know I try not to take too much stock in the strength of schedule at the beginning of the year, but if you're projecting that in the last eight weeks of the season, the Broncos face eight straight teams that were bottom 16 in, or I guess top 16 in most rushing yards allowed uh, per game in 2020. So that's basically, if it holds up from last year, eight straight weeks of plus matchups, which could be a spot where Javante Williams wins you playoff weeks like Jonathan Taylor did last year. So just something to keep an eye on, I think. And I would, that's great. I think he's a good pick as like a back end RB2 if you pair him with someone else more consistent. Yeah, for sure. I agree. All right. Um, Last question for the Broncos. I guess we already discussed this a little bit too. So um, how are we approaching, how are you approaching the wide receiver room though? Uh, so for me, like I said, uh, Judy's one spot I have Cortland Sutton in my rankings. Both guys are great wide receiver threes, solid wide receiver twos. If you need one as your wide receiver two, uh, I prefer them as wide receiver threes or flex. Um, but these guys both have wide receiver two upside and Judy, if everything goes correct, has wide receiver one upside. I don't think it's going to happen, but that's like his absolute ceiling. Sudden could be another monster season. I mean, I think he could finish like top 15-ish, like 16, 18 range if everything goes well. But I think both these wide receivers are going to be really solid this season for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I would prefer Sutton over Judy as of now, but I understand going the other way or having close. Yeah, I, it's more because it's PPR. My rankings are full points, so I, I would rather have Judy for the volume. Yeah. yeah, fair. I would say, yeah, Judy's likely to lead in targets, I would say. Yeah, Um. All right. Sure. Let's talk Kansas City Chiefs, the uh, defending Super Bowl losers of 2020. Or, I guess not defending anything. Defending Super Bowl losers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking of 2019 and then like where they won and then 2020. I was trying to think of how to say that. That didn't come out right at all. It's fine. Close enough. Um, let's talk uh, Patrick Mahomes first. Uh, I think the consensus would be that he is the fantasy QB1. I just wanted to know, though, do you have a different QB1 or is it Mahomes for you? I don't. I have Mahomes. Is, is Mahomes your QB1 as well? Uh, yes. Yeah. Let me just give a quick synopsis to why I believe he's the QB1. Um, listen, I get it. Kyler Murray's hot. He's sexy. So is Josh Allen. Everyone loves him. They're, they're the good picks. Everyone wants the high ceiling, the new hotness. Patrick Mahomes is, are, in my opinion, the most talented NFL quarterback to ever touch a field. He leads in all-time yards per attempt, yards per game, QBR. He's a winning quarterback. He's an amazing fantasy quarterback too. It's not like he's Tom Brady who is like, he's the goat, but like doesn't really do anything for fantasy like that crazy. Um, Mahomes is a top five locked and loaded fantasy quarterback. There is no way in hell where he finishes outside the top five. If he doesn't get injured, no way. I bet my house on it. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted as my guy I'm drafting as the QB one because the the range of outcomes are small, but all of the small range of outcomes are elite. You're not going to get a season like well, you got a Lamar Jackson last year where he you draft him as your QB1 or the QB1, sorry, and he, he gives you a QB10 season. That's not yeah. going to happen with Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be that elite guy, and I feel like that that risk aversion uh, is, is too good to pass up on for him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's great points there all around for sure. I mean, the one thing I will say is that, and I've said this on the podcast a lot, that Mahomes is my quarterback one, but it's always for me, these top few guys are guys that I'm almost never going to draft. I'm always going to wait for the sure. later round quarterback. Of course, I um, agree. And if, if Mahomes is going in the third round, that's not something I would like. But yeah, I agree with you. He, for all of those, he might not have the highest ceiling, but he definitely has the highest floor and the best range of always elite outcomes. So yeah, I would say he's the clear QB one. Absolutely, 100%. 
All right, let's talk running back. What is uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's ceiling in year two? I mean, in year one, we saw not a lot of touchdowns. He was all right. Then he got injured. It was Le'Veon Bell came. It would kind of threw off the whole year. What do you think? Does he have the same ceiling that we thought he had? Or, and is that, I wouldn't, I don't think anyone really say that what we thought he could do is now likely, but I mean, what do you think he could, he could do in year two? I mean, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire still has a top five ceiling. He's on the Kansas City Chiefs for crying out loud. It's the best offense in football. Yeah. Uh, Jason Moore from the fantasy footballers made some great points about Clyde the other day on their My Guys show. Um, he underperformed in touchdowns at like an extreme rate last season. And if those go, go up just like a little bit, he's going to be elite. I mean, he was still very good last year, despite not scoring very many touchdowns. If he sees an uptick in his second year in touchdowns, he's going to be a monster, like so good. And the stat they provided, I forget what it was, him and LaShawn McCoy, the rookie seasons under Andy Reid, had nearly identical stats. And the next year, LaShawn McCoy had an amazing breakout. So, I mean, it's possible. I'm just saying, like, I love Clyde because he's a very high floor, high ceiling player. Like, what's the worst case scenario for the starting running back in the Chiefs offense? You know, like, he's going to sure, get a yeah. steady workload and a good offense. But the ceiling is is the roof. I mean, he could be the RB1 if everything goes according to plan. I mean, if he gets 10-plus 10, 10 touchdowns, I mean, forget it. I mean, he's locked and loaded. I think he has amazing potential. I have him as my RB14 right now just because I prefer the guys uh, above him as far as, you know, more guaranteed touchdowns. But I do like Clyde a lot this season for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I think the injury definitely – or what I, Le'Veon Bell in particular and the just – yeah, the injury and all of that last year just sort of left a sour taste in people's mouths for sure. But I think you could be right that he he's definitely a guy who's been rising in rankings, but uh, still could be drafted pretty close to his floor. Because like, what is his floor? Like you said, like a mid-tier RB2 maybe is like the absolute worst he could do. And yeah, I wouldn't say like, a, I definitely wouldn't say a top five ceiling is likely, but yeah, it's the Chiefs. So it is there. No. And um, it's just... I wouldn't say I obviously wouldn't say he should go as high as he did last year by any means, but at the same time, he's got a lot of potential that can't be. If you can get Clyde as your RB two, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, for sure. There's like, there's just a, like a general tier of like 18 or so guys, like in that 13 through 18 range, anyone there, I would be very, very happy as with, as my RB two. Then I feel like there's sort of a tier drop to like a Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders, guys like that. hundred percent for sure. Uh, can any wide receivers emerge as a third off option in this offense is the last question um, behind Tyreek and Travis Kelsey. What do you think? Well, the only guy that really comes to mind is McCall Hardman. He's flashed decently in preseason. I think that he is going to be the wide receiver two for this team. Um, will he be consistent? Probably not. But for best ball, I think he's an amazing option. A redraft, still a good option, but I think he'll likely be no more than a flex. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I just think it's going to be too inconsistent to rely on other than, like you said, best ball. It's uh, Mahomes is not going to – This that's just not how this offense runs. He's got Tyreek. He's got Kelsey. He's had times to give the ball. He's had a couple seasons now with McCole Hardman where there was a chance for him to break out. It's just never really happened. Byron Pringle's still going to be involved. They're still going to use other guys, Demarcus Robinson. It's not – just going to be McCole Hardman as a two who can put up elite numbers just because he's in an elite offense. So I feel like, especially in the later rounds, there are like some guys who are ranked behind him. And I'm looking at fantasy pros ECR right now, uh, Elijah Moore, who I would take um, looking down the board a little bit, maybe someone like, maybe even someone like T Y Hilton, not really sure about that one. Maybe even looking really deep, a deeper sleeper of mine is John Brown. 
not looking good for sure. him in terms of training camp reports, but uh, I was definitely excited. I'm still excited that I think he can earn his way into maybe being the top wide receiver on this team. So no, I yeah, like- absolutely. I, I I like John Brown for sure as a good sleeper. I also like Emmanuel Sanders out in Buffalo. Yeah. I think he's going to get a good target share that people don't really care about for some reason. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, he was signed there. Now he could be could be potentially ahead of Gabriel Davis. Well, and, uh, I'm not. He will. I think he will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if he is, he will have a chance to produce for sure. Um, other guys, I guess Rashad Bateman, Rondale Moore. I mean, these guys, I would rather take a shot on than McCole Hardman, who we've already seen it with, and he hasn't done anything for me. Hundred um, percent. All right, let's move on to the Raiders. Uh, let's start off, I guess, with the running back room. And we just sort of mentioned, I just mentioned Josh Jacobs before, but with Kenyon Drake here, obviously it caps his ceiling. How high do you think he should be drafted? Um, well, right now I have him at RB19. Uh, he represents a tear break for me, for sure. I, I vastly prefer the guys going above him. Um, I like Jacobs still. I think that he's being underrated right now, honestly. I, I think that, I mean, I think he has a guaranteed workload, right? I mean, he's the yeah. RB1 for the Raiders. Kenyon Drake's going to be a, a bit annoying, but I think he's still going to get all the goal line work. He's going to get the majority of the carries. Jacobs is still going to be very reliable, I think, as far as a week-to-week workload. He might not be as consistent as you'd like for your fantasy team, uh, but I still like him. Uh, if I can get Jacobs as my RB2, I'm still happy about that. I think he's a good RB2, but he's not – he doesn't have that top 10 upside anymore, really. Yeah, and that's mainly what would make him, like like you said, a tier. I have him also at 19 and also a tier break from my RB18, which was David Montgomery. So, yeah, it's Kenyon Drake is going to – I would expect Kenyon Drake to take probably the majority of the pass-catching work. Best-case mm-hmm. scenario is Jacobs maybe retains like a 55, 60, maybe even a like 65% touch share. If that happened, he would be – a solid RB two for this year. So it's not like he doesn't have any ceiling, I would say, but it's not top 10 anymore. Yeah, totally agree. 100%. All right. Uh, outside of Waller, uh, which pass catchers do you think you would want to target? Or if any, would you target in this offense? Man, uh, Brian Edwards. I think Edwards has a good blueprint for a breakout this season, but well, I mean, it's yet to be seen. It's all this hype happened last year as well, and it was nothing. So yeah, uh, just hoping for a second year step forward, I guess. I, I like Edwards. So I think he's going to be uh, solid, solid enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like you said, we saw nothing last year, so it's just very boomer bust, but he's going so late that it really doesn't matter. You can just drop him in two weeks if he's bad. Um, sure. For me, it would be, yeah, probably Edwards – probably John Brown, probably uh, maybe uh, if you want to go really deep Zay Jones, but it's just, if I don't want to rely on Zay Jones, who is a veteran, who's just, I mean, if you want to rely on a veteran, I feel like it's got to be the guy who's had in a thousand yard season in John Brown and not, I mean, Zay Jones might get a few catches here and there, but it's probably too inconsistent to rely on. Sure. I, yeah. 100%. Uh, last question for the Raiders is Derek Carr, for you anything more than a streaming option next year uh i have Carl as my quarterback 23 so in single quarterback leagues yeah i mean he's a streamer and two quarterback leagues he's a reliable starter i mean it kind of just depends Carr is definitely going to outperform his ranking of 23 for sure for me but he just doesn't have the upside you know yeah and guys like even like trey lance or justin fields when you look at the end of the draft or maybe even Zach Wilson, the guy who's been getting a lot of training camp reports and who I'm really was really excited for throughout the offseason. 
all of those rookies have the unknown upside and have the potential to be top 15 and top 12 quarterbacks. There's no point in drafting Derek Carr when you can, in, even if he's going to outperform QB 23, even if he's going to be like the QB 17, you can get him on the waiver wire. And if it's not him, it'll be someone very, very similar who sits there because that's what happens every single year with quarterbacks. So there's no point in drafting a guy like that, in my opinion. Yeah, totally agree. 100%. Uh, last team here before we wrap up. This has been a fun show. I've had fun. Um, yeah, that's it, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, the Chargers, we got three questions, of course. Let's talk Justin Herbert. Do you think he can take another step forward this year? I mean, he had a great year last time, last year, but um, can he get maybe like into that top eight, top six? Or I guess he was already around top eight, but top six fantasy quarterback production next year? Sure. So I like Herbert a lot, but I have him at 12. Um, just because I, I'm a little hesitant to see how he does with a new offensive coordinator, a uh, new scheme. I don't think they're going to let him throw as deep as much. I'm just, I don't know. I, there's just a lot of new things that I, I'm not too sure about. I like Herbert though. He has a great upside, really, really good arm. Uh, he can run a little bit too, which is great. I think he's a very viable starting quarterback one. And I think he could crack that top eight threshold. Uh, I, I just don't have that much confidence. I'd rather have the guys in front of him in my rankings. Yeah, that's fair. He's in a massive tier for me. Like there's a, like a guy like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, all, who, although he's more, a little more risky, I feel like are all kind of in the same tier as Justin Herbert. And you can kind of just pick whoever you want, which is like, I have Herbert actually at my quarterback six, which feels really high when I look at it. Really? Then it's just, but I feel like all of these guys are so close that I'm not going to draft Herbert because I can get Ryan Tannehill three rounds later. Who's very, very similar. Agreed. hundred um, percent agreed. So yeah, it's just like a massive tier after like the top five of those kind of guys. And I, all of whom will be good, but there's no point in getting Herbert early when you can get Ryan Tannehill late, in my opinion. 100%. 100%. I would, I would much rather wait and get the guys that you just brought up, like the Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill's, Tom Brady's of the world. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how high is Austin Eckler's ceiling, do you think, next year? He's great pass catcher. Uh, Moran's to be seen if he'll get the goal line work. The in be- well, I mean, obviously, he's going to get the in-between-the-tackles work, but if he can be a true workhorse running back, I think it's high. I just, I'm interested to hear how high you think it is. Yeah, it, it definitely is high. I just, um, man, in PPR, he could crack the top eight. I don't really think he can crack top three ever. I, I don't think he has that high of a ceiling. But I wouldn't – if I woke up tomorrow and you told me that he's he was the RB four or five or six, I'd believe you. But I don't think I can see him going three, two, or one, you know? Yeah, that, that makes sense. I would agree. But, yeah, I think top eight is certainly in the cards for Eckler. Um, I think obviously full PPR will give him a massive bump. I, my rankings are for half. So he's down at 13 for me, but that doesn't mean I dislike him. It's just, again, like the guys ahead of him. I have him at 12. I have him at 12. Yeah, that's fair. I, um, but yeah, like the guys ahead of him, like Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson feel a little bit more. Um, it's interesting because all of them are certainly young guys and, None of them really outside of Joe Mixon have like meaningful and or not meaningful, but like a ton of body of work in the NFL. But they all just feel uh, a little bit more like they Antonio Gibson for me has like will have similar upside and he feels a little bit better, especially like with between the tackles running. Same with Joe Mixon, like the, all of those guys are better runners than Austin Eckler. And in half PPR, they can all catch passes enough to where it, I'm fine taking them ahead of him. 
yeah, it's a big, it's a big difference for sure. 100% agree. Mm-hmm. All right. Last question here. Which Chargers pass catchers should we watch for uh, late in drafts? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, I like Mike Williams, but he's made a glass. If you can say healthy, mm-hmm. I like Mike Williams a lot. I mean, I guess Josh Palmer. I mean, he's a good rookie breakout candidate, but I mean, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of like Keenan Allen in a drop off for me personally. Yeah, for sure. Like I have Mike Williams at like 52 and Josh Palmer isn't actually in my rankings, but if he was, he'd probably be like, I, I go down to like top 60. So if he was, he'd probably be like 65 or something like that. He's yeah. not a bad option late in drafts for sure. Uh, not but, at all. Uh, yeah, I would, I guess I would take Mike Williams just because yeah, even though he can't stay healthy, if he were to stay healthy for a full season, I mean, I don't see any reason why he's not a top 36 receiver with upside. For sure. Yeah. 100%. Um, yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's kind of a tricky situation to monitor, but because it, I mean, like, if you think Josh Palmer's going to break out, you're kind of projecting a Mike Williams injury, yeah? Because, like, mm-hmm. he's not going to, you know, ascend without, without uh, Mike Williams on the field. So it's kind, of, it's kind of a weird realm to live in there. Yeah. I do want to mention Jared Cook uh, real quick as well. Sure, he, yeah. He's had a good rapport with Justin Herbert in camp. At, he produced last year. I know he's 34, but there's a chance for him. Like, if you're taking a late-round tight end, he is available for free, and there's, it's not a bad option at all. Yeah, he's definitely a good late target, 100%. I totally agree that he he represents a value. Uh, he, he could be one of those guys that has a huge – he has a huge, like, misunderstanding in where he is mm-hmm. currently as far as people think he's gone, he's washed, whatever. But he could have a very solid season. He could be, like, a tight end, like, 10. You know, this is a solid dude who is streamable or stays on your roster for a while and contributes here or there. You know, I don't think he's going to break the world apart or anything, but he can definitely make some noise. Yeah, I agree. hundred percent. I have him at like tight end 16 right now. So a few spots higher than where he is currently mm-hmm. going. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Cause I think that when you can get a value like that late round at tight end, who can produce for you here and there, there's no point in like taking a guy, especially like in the middle rounds, it's just nice to have a guy that you're, instead of setting a seventh round pick on fire, you can get someone in the 14th who is almost as good. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. First, like, yeah, just for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it it just makes sense. Just don't be stupid. Uh, Take the values and don't light picks on fire. Like you said. Agreed. All right. So that's the show. Thank you, Luke, for coming on. It was great to have you. This, I had a lot of fun uh, doing this show. It was great. Thanks for having Mm -hmm. me. I appreciate it. It was a good one. Yeah, and it was a good good way to wrap up the divisional previews. So for those of you who listen regularly, next week um, on the podcast we will have the or I will have the week one fantasy preview, which I guess releases next Monday. I'll let you know. You'll find out on the Twitter if you follow us at SGF Pod. Make sure to follow Luke at Luke Sawhook on Twitter. Go check out his work for Fantasy Pros. If you uh, go follow Dynasty Nerds on Twitter as well at dynasty nerds and go check out 15 minute fantasy when that starts. Cause that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun uh, every Saturday night. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Every Saturday night in season, we're going to do like mailbag and stuff. So definitely check it out. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for coming. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks um, man. Thank you for listening everyone. And we will see you next time.